you guys imagine, would you guys imagine with me for just a moment yes. what, what it's going to be like? And I don't know when exactly and what's going to happen. But you know the Bible says that one day Jesus is going to appear in the skies. And it says in the twinkling of an eye we will be changed. We'll be changed to be like him. Y'all know how Jesus is, right? He is glorious. And we will be changed. And then it says that we will meet him in the air. Can you imagine? Can, can you guys just imagine that for a moment? I mean, that is going to be like you guys just applauded. And I appreciate that. But can you imagine what it's going to be like when we see him? When we finally touch our feet to something or wherever we're going. You know, it's hard to say in the air, right? But somewhere, I guess we'll land somewhere. Or he will stand before us. Can you imagine the applause? There's probably going to be some noise like we've never heard, right? I can only imagine that. But that's going to be great, isn't it? I imagine there'll be some people running. We'll have to chase some people. Hey, wait a minute, come back. I'm going to run. You guys going to run? I'm going to be running. I'm be hollering probably. But um, he is why we do what we do. Jesus is why we do what we do, right? Now, uh, the last couple of months, um, on the first Wednesday of the month, of course, like tonight, we have um, service. In the last couple of months, I've been talking about a series called In Search of Timothy. And uh, we based it off of this book by Tony Cook. And basically what Tony Cook is saying in this book is, is he is just giving us, um, he's just giving us some things that will help us to be better supportive ministers, what he calls it. Um, He talks a lot in here about, you know, being involved in the church and supporting your pastors, supporting leaders, and becoming leaders, and becoming supportive ministers. Um, And it's just all about doing things that will help the local church. Um, I know that Pastor Marvin has said it a bunch of times, and a lot of us here have said it a bunch of times, that the local church is the hope. It's the hope of this world. Uh, the world's not, nobody else in the world is doing what the church is doing. We are che- we're preaching Jesus, we're telling people about Jesus, and that is their hope. Jesus is the hope for this world. There is no other hope, there will be no other way. People might think that there's some other way, but there is no other way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life, and nobody comes to the Father but by Him. I don't know about you guys, but I want to see the Father. I want to be with the Father. So I'll take Jesus for His word. I don't believe He was a liar. And uh, so let's go ahead and um, look at Philippians chapter 2. That's kind of been our, um, our main, the main verses that we've been looking at. Philippians chapter 2, we were looking at verses 19 through 22. But before I do that, before we read this, I would like to pray. And you know, um, this this thing about praying um you know when I was a kid I know for sure I know sure when I was a kid that when I would hear people say let's pray or my mom or my dad or somebody would say you know let's pray 
that I'm sure there was a time where I kind of just rolled my eyes and kind of, okay. But the older I get, you know, hopefully the older we get, the wiser we get. Hopefully young people can get wise too, you know. But the older I get and the wiser I get, and I hear people praying, and um, you begin to just realize the seriousness of our talking to God. You know, and sometimes I like to say that. Let's talk to God instead of saying let's pray. Because when you say pray, it almost kind of takes something away from it. But when you say let's talk to God, there's just something powerful about that. And when we pray... Let's make a decision that when we pray that we're going to be serious about it and we're going to believe that God hears what we're saying. Do you guys believe that? Do you guys believe that God wants to answer your prayer? That He wants you coming to Him and saying, God, can we do this? Or, you know, you know what His Word tells us, we go that and then we pray that. God, Your Word says this. He wants to bring it to pass, right? So, Father, we come to you in Jesus' name this evening, and we're just so glad we get to talk to you. And I would just pray, Father, because you are so good and so wonderful all the time to us. You are the Father that gives all great gifts, and you are a giver, a big giver, a great giver. And you want to hear us, and you want to give to us. And I'm so grateful. I just pray that tonight, that as we're hearing your words, that you'll begin to reveal things to us, just how precious and how sensitive and how just great that your word is and how the plan that you have for us is an awesome plan, a plan of hope, a plan of joy and peace, and that's, um, that our plan is going to help a lot of people. And I just thank you for that in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. God wants to use you Each and every one of you, God wants to use you to do something wonderful and great. I think it was Oral Roberts that used to say that all the time. God's going to do something great for you today. And people would get mad about it. How dare him say, God's going to do something great. Well, God is. Isn't that better than saying God's going to do something bad? God don't don't do bad. He only does good. Well, we're going to look in Philippians chapter 2, verses 19, 19 through 22, and I'm reading out of the New King James Version. If you don't have your Bibles with you, you can look on the screen. But it says, But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly. And this is the Apostle Paul that was writing this to the Philippian church. He said, I'm going to send Timothy to you shortly that I also may be encouraged when I know your state. For I have no one like-minded who will sincerely care for your state. For all seek their own, not the things which are of Jesus Christ. But you know his proven character that as a son with his father, he served with me in the gospel. And we, pick, we, we have these scriptures picked for a reason because Paul was pretty much, he was just picking Timothy out. He was picking him out and saying of how great a supportive minister he was. Paul goes on to say, goes on to say there that he was the only one that Paul could send because I know that he's going to really care for you guys you know Paul was written Paul was writing to the Philippian church and he said because everybody else is seeking their own things and not the things of Jesus Christ so can you guys see with me tonight why Paul was why he was pulling Timothy out here because I know Timothy will take care of you guys 
And that's what God wants to do with each and every one of us. He wants to be able to trust us that we will go do what he's called us to do, that he can send us. Is any, any of you guys would like to be sent by God? God to say, hey, I, need, I want you to go do this. I want you to go do this. You know, it's pretty cool that Paul pulled Timothy out like that. You know, I said, I think last month I said that it seems very strange that the Apostle Paul could only say that about one person. You would, you would think that the Apostle Paul would have a bunch of guys that helped him that he could say, oh, man, I could send any number of these guys because these guys are great. These guys really, but only Timothy. And so that's what we're, that's why we're looking at um, Timothy just because he seemed to be just above everyone else in being this supportive minister. But I truly believe we can all do that. Right? You guys believe that? You know, the Word says that if we just believe, if we believe, and it says nothing is impossible if we'll believe. And you know, it doesn't take much to believe. You guys don't know me, or some of you, some of you guys know me, some of you don't know me. But if I was to say something, for instance, like, you know, I got a $20 bill in my pocket or whatever. Well, you don't know who I am. Some of you, some of you don't know who I am, but you could probably believe that. And that's all it is, is with God, just trusting what his word says, right? And God is, of course, way more trustworthy than I am. Well, I, I titled um, tonight's message, You and Your Difficulties. It was kind of a funny thing. Um, I'll uh, send my notes I'll send my notes and my outline of my sermon to Pastor Marvin and so that he can put it up on the, you know, have it on the screen ready. And so I sent it to him, and, uh, and he was asking me a couple of questions through the text. We were texting back and forth, and, and he said, he said what's, your, you know, what's your title? I just, had, I just had In Search of Timothy, but he was looking for you know, a certain title for my message. And, and I had thought about it a little bit, and then I, but I just didn't come up with one. And, and uh, so I'm sitting there thinking about it, you know. Uh, and uh, and so I thought, well, let's see what. So I'd look at my notes and I'd kind of think about it in a minute. And I kind of had some ideas, but every time I would kind of say it out loud, it just didn't seem right. And and so I thought, okay, because of what I'm talking about, I said, you and your difficulties. And I was hoping he didn't mean that I was saying to him, <laughs> you and your difficulties. <laughs> Vicky's. Vicky said, I told Vicky, and she said, I hope he got a good laugh out of that. <laughs> I said, yeah, so you and your difficulties. <laughs> no, Pastor, that's not my title. <laughs> you and your difficulties. <laughs> but it is pretty good, huh? You and your difficulties. And you guys will see why that I titled it You and Your Difficulties here in just a minute. Uh, the first point of my message is don't let difficulties lead to disunity. And um, a lot of this, a lot of this that I'm talking to you guys about tonight, of course, I got it from the book, um, from Tony Cook's book, In Search of Timothy. But he talks about um, he talks about that in church, and really, this is anywhere, anywhere we go, anywhere there's people, we're going to have difficulties, right? He talks about that we're going to have chances to be frustrated. We're going to be, have chances to get tired. We're going to have opportunities to be proud, you know, let, to let our pride get in the way, you know. And he talks about uh, just, getting, uh, just getting frustrated 
and irritated over certain difficulties. And he specifically says that we will have difficulties with other people. All right. And so as I was kind of studying and just reading and, and talking to God about it, that um, it seemed like that in, in li- reading the book and talking to God, it just seemed like that he was saying that we can't let the difficulties let us get, um, you know, to have disunity or to not be united. And, um, and really, that's, that is really what, if we could say that the devil has any kind of a plan, that that's his plan, to, that we not be unified. Because he knows that if we unify, there's nothing that's going to stop us. You know, one of us, one of us is, is pretty powerful. Just one believer is pretty powerful. But the Bible even says that joined together, that we're way more powerful. And not just, it's not just an addition of power. It's a, there's a multiplication of power. I mean, you think about Jesus' team. He had 12 disciples. And uh, just a few of those guys that we know wrote books, you know, that are in our Bible, like Peter. And, that, and Peter's still making an impact on us, right? Every time we read his word, it makes an impact on us. But, but you can just see just the power of just people joining together and working together. And so we want to try to fight against disunity. So we're going to look at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1 through 3, and we're going to look in the New King James. And it says, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord, this is Paul again, writing to the Ephesian church. He said, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you are called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with longsuffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of of the Spirit and the bond of peace. Um, so we can see here that God wants us to be unified. And you know, I got to thinking about this. I got to thinking about unity. And, and you know, if you, if you look at any kind of interactions that we have with, with other human beings, whether it be work or school or church or wherever it is, and of course, I'm going to kind of just leave it with church because that's, you know, that's kind of what we're talking about. Um, if you look at any kind of inner interactions that we have with people, you can always pretty much boil it down to anything that's, that's divisive or could be divisive. A lot of times it's just because we just have preferences. You know, someone make, may make a decision, hey, let's do this. And then a few, of, a few other of us might say, well, I wouldn't do it that way. You all know what I'm saying? But, you know, if you look at a lot of times when there's decisions made and you might not agree with it, a lot of times it's just a preference. It's not like somebody makes a decision and you go, oh, my goodness, so many people are going to die because of this. You know, it, ain't, it, it, it rarely is that. You know, the, what color carpet we're going to put in the church or, you know, what, you know, you know it's not going to, well, if it's blue or green or whatever, it doesn't matter. Just, let's, let's just put some carpet down, you know. But... You know, if we just all decide, you know what? Let's just all get behind one thing. Just get behind it. Even if you disagree, that doesn't mean that we have to get upset and leave and be upset and mad, right? If we just get behind it and just let's go with it. Um, I, work at a, uh, I work at a shop with my dad and my brother, and I've done that for, man, going on... 26 or 27 years been doing that 
And, uh, you know, a lot of people will say, oh, man, working with your family, it's tough. Are you right? Y'all heard that? Anybody heard that? Working with your family's tough. And, you know, it can be tough. But, again, it's usually just because when, when decisions are made and there's disagreement, it's just preference. You know, I, I can, I've, been on, I've been working with my dad and my brother for, like I say, 26, 27 years. And I can't tell you a time where my dad's made a decision or whatever that, that I disagreed with it and I thought that, man, if we do it that way, it's really, gonna, it's really not going to be good. You know, it's really going to be bad. You know, it's just, it's just preference. You all understand what I'm saying? And I don't know why that it seems, you know, when you get into the, you know, when you get in the midst of the, of the making the decisions, you know, you know, when we're here at the church and we're, we're, we have to make decisions all the time about things to do here, at your house, you know it's no different. I don't know why when you're right there in the thick of it and somebody makes a decision that if there's disagreement that it seems like such a big deal. You know what I'm saying? But it does, doesn't it? I don't know why that is. Maybe, maybe that's just human nature kicking in. But we, we like to have it our way, right? Well, who's that, who's that burger place that you can have at your way? Is that Burger, burger King? Life ain't Burger King, is it? You can't, you can't always have it your way. And especially with God, you can't have it your way. We have to do it with His way, right? So we don't want to make sure, we want to make sure that we don't let just decisions that are being made to, to you know, cause, you know, division. Um, you know, I said earlier that um, we make decisions here all the time. And you, know, and you guys know that at your homes and school and work, there's always got to be decisions being made. But the decisions that we make here, again, like I said earlier, the world is not doing what we're doing. Nobody, nobody else is doing what the church is doing. Y'all, y'all understand? I don't just mean our church. The church all over the world. The church of Jesus Christ. His believers, His followers. We're making decisions that will keep people from death, will keep them from hell. It's either hell or heaven, the decisions that we're making. You all understand? And the way that we, the way that we handle situations in life, and especially church, on how those decisions are made, are going to affect the lives of a lot of people, possibly. And so we have to make sure we don't let things like this uh, trip us up and get us, you know, I said earlier, you know, if, if, a, if a decision is made and we get, well, I don't want to do it that way and I don't agree with it, what good does it do to leave or get mad or it doesn't do any good? It, it, again, when you, when you start taking pieces away, it begins to hurt us and weaken us, right? I've told the praise and worship team, you know, I tell the praise and worship team all the time, if just one piece of us, and there's several of our pieces missing tonight, uh, we normally have two or three other people that are joining us on the stage playing and singing. And when one or two's one, it just one's gone, it makes a big difference. It's not as good. It's not as full. It's not as rich and powerful. You know what I'm saying? And the same is, the same is with you guys. Well, I'm going to go ahead and go to my second point. Um, second point tonight is that disunity starts on the inside. I just talked about that we have to be careful to not to let our difficulties cause disunity and um, so disunity 
is going to start from the inside. It's right here. Um, I'll go ahead and read the scripture out of Matthew chapter 15. We're going to look at verses 18, and 18, 18 through 20. And uh, they had, I think in this story here, I, I forget, I may be telling it a little bit wrong, but right before this story, they were talking, I think the disciples had started, um, they were going through a cornfield, I think, and the disciples just started plucking the ears and started eating. I think that's what they were doing. And so some people got bent that they didn't wash their hands. and I don't, that's weird, isn't it, to us? It's just, okay. But in verse 18, yeah, it, there's people like that. Yeah, there's some, there's some pretty, you know, it was religious people. There's, pretty, there's some pretty crazy stuff comes out of religious people. That's why we need to not be religious, right? But in verse 18, it says, But those things, and this was Jesus talking here, but those things which proceed out of the mouth come from the heart, and they defile a man. For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man. But to eat with one washed hands does not defile a man. You see, Jesus, Jesus is pointing out to us right here that if you're going to be defiled, if anything's going to hurt you, it's going to come from inside first. It'll be inside here. There's a scripture verse that says that when we put good things in, basically, I may be kind of paraphrasing a little bit, but the good things we put in us, then good things will come out of us. Um, bad things put in, put bad things in, bad things are going to come out of us. Um, for some reason, every time I read that scripture, I always think about when they say, you are what you eat. Um, you know, there used to be some uh, little... There used to be some little chocolate things um, that um, I can't forget who made them, but they were called ding dongs. Oh, yeah. You know, hostess ding dongs. And I think, well, it, so if you so if you eat ding dongs, you're going to be a ding dong. <laughs> so you know, I always just that's always just something that's kind of funny. But you have to be careful, right? We have to be careful what we put in because what we put in, it's eventually going to come out. You know, um, I was thinking about this and about you know, stuff that you that we put in. And uh you know, you look at you look at different stories in the Bible, like there were there were men like Peter and James and John that were you know, they were they followed Jesus. And sometimes they did some stuff that just you're like, oh man, you know what in the world you but it was because of what just because of what they put in a lot, and you can tell a lot of times they weren't. They Jesus would talk to them, and they wouldn't even pay attention. They wouldn't even pay attention to what he was telling them. He said, "Hey, you guys got to watch out." But um, we got to pay attention to what we what we put in us. Um, you know, um, if you just turn the TV on for just a moment, or if you turn the radio on, or if you turn the you get on the computer. Just any kind of any kind of media that's out there nowadays, we're not getting a whole lot of good stuff, you know, unless you unless you're finding a Christian station or a Christian program or whatever, we're not finding a whole lot of stuff, because that's all that the world knows is just the bad. They don't know they really don't have any good. Uh, you guys ever just pick up a newspaper and just look at all the? It says it's a newspaper, but it ought to say bad newspaper, because you look at it and that's mostly all it is i mean you know some 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 store got broke into car got stolen you know somebody got hurt you're going is this news or bad news and our society is just 
form that way to, and we have to be careful. Um, when I was um, when I was young, and I don't know why that I, you know, put my message together. I, of course, I'm thinking about these points that I'm that I've written out here, and and just here, you know, the last just today thinking about it, I I just felt like saying that um, that you know there's a lot of there's a lot of inferior and a lot of thoughts of inferiority. Um, I know that I have said before that um, I have said before that growing up uh, as a as a kid and a teen, young teenager that I would always be finding stuff. It was because I was always looking down. You know, I didn't really have a reason to lift my head up. Um, you know, you guys heard me sing. I don't know. You, did I do an okay job singing? Yeah. It sounds okay. It sounds okay. And I know that I sound, I know that I can sing. Okay, I know that I can sing. But there was a time I didn't know I had. I didn't know I could sing. There was a time I wasn't singing. I didn't start singing until I was about eighteen years old, and uh, it was my my wife's parents and their family used to sing at church, and so they. So of course I'm interested in Vicky, and they said, "Well, Bobby, won't you come sing with us?" And I'm like, "Why? <laughs> Why? What? What? Do you want to mock me, or you know?" And uh, the, you know I didn't know I could sing. And I would hold my mic down, way down like this, and I'd, and I'd sing like this. This is how I sing, right? very quietly. But just having that, just having the thought of being inferior, and, and of course we at times will feel inferior, inferior or inadequate. Um, many, many times that I come up, um, many times that I come up and speak or sing or, I feel inadequate, but I cannot allow the feelings of inferiority or inadequacy to keep me from doing that. And I don't know why that, you know, somebody must need that, evidently. Somebody must need that. Don't let feelings of inferiority or inadequacy to keep you from going ahead and doing it. You guys realize that you can, you can have feelings of inferiority, inadequacy, fear, guilt, shame, but you can still obey God. So don't let your feelings get in the way of that. All right? Don't let your feelings. Remember, what goes in is going to come out. The disunity is going to start inside. Uh, look at Jesus' ministry. Look at Moses' ministry. Uh, King Saul's ministry. You know, they had a lot of adversity, right? Like they'd fight. Uh, Saul fought, you know, in battles. And Moses had a lot of battles. And... And Jesus had a lot of people come against him and say bad stuff about him. But, you know, it really didn't affect their ministry like, like when people inside their ministry hurt them. You know, Jesus was betrayed by one of his own. Uh, Moses, you know, he didn't go into the promised land because he got frustrated with the children of Israel. You know, Saul, he did, his, he did himself in. All right? So we have to be careful that it's us right here. You know, if somebody was to come running from out, if somebody was come running from outside in here, and they started bad mouthing Pastor Marvin or or picking on one of the ladies, he'd get tossed out pretty quick, quick, wouldn't he? We wouldn't put up with that, would we? It wouldn't be very quick. A couple of us that have him, 
right out, right? So we can see that coming. But a lot of times, the trouble starts right here. Another reason we have to, dis- we have to guard what we say, what we do. And you know what? If we mess up, we're all going to mess up, right? I don't want to say I don't want to say this thinking, well, everybody's like, "Uh-oh, we got to be careful that we don't mess up." You know what? We're going to mess up. But you know what? You mess up and we'll forgive you. We'll forgive you. But I just want to let you guys know that it's not going to be the people from outside. It's not going to be outside troubles. It's going to be things that's right here in the midst of us, us. And we have to guard our hearts, guard ourselves. Uh, David said in Psalm 55, verse 12 through 14, and verse 21, David said, For it is not an enemy who reproaches me that then I could bear it, nor is it one who hates me who has exalted himself against me. Then I could hide from him, but it was you, a man my equal, my companion, my acquaintance. We took sweet counsel together and walked to the house of God in the throng. So see, and we know David faced that. We know Jesus faced that. We know Moses faced that. And so let's be careful. Let's not be that person, right? Let's be a person of unity. Uh, my third point tonight is you are unique and significant. And I wanted to, and I know, you know, as I was studying and reading and thinking about my message, it just seemed like this third point needed to say something like a solution because the first two points kind of seems kind of negative and oh disunity and difficulty you know I don't want to oh I don't want to be difficult but I want you guys to know I want you guys to know something that you and I can't call out your name but every one of you here are unique and significant to God. I don't think when we get to heaven, or, or however that happens, when we go meet God, I don't think He's just going to say, okay, everybody down this line gets this reward because you've all been good. And everybody on this gets two rewards because you've been really good. Y'all understand what I'm saying? I don't think God's going to just kind of lump us all together. I just don't see God being that way. I see God as being a very in-your-face, personable, personal, close. Y'all understand what I'm saying? I don't know about you, but I just think God is going to take atten- He's going to give attention to each and every one of us. I truly believe that. You know why? Because He can. Because He's God. He's just going to be that good. I just truly believe it. And I truly believe that when we stand before Him... It's not going to be just like, well, Lynn, you're faithful and here's your reward. Now move over and let me do somebody else. It's not going to be this quick herding cattle through. I just don't see God doing that. I don't know about you, but I just don't feel like that's the way our Father is. I think He's going to talk with us and He's going to, you know, I just, you know, He's just going to be so overwhelmed with us. That just seems the way that God is. God just seems to me just overwhelming with just joy and, and just love. And you know what? Y'all know what I'm saying? You know, I, told, I said at the beginning, when we get to heaven, how's it going to be? You know, we're, gonna, we're not going to get to heaven and going, hey, this, is not, this place is pretty nice. 
Yes, I, we could probably we could probably live here. Yeah, this yeah this will do, right? It ain't gonna be that way. We're gonna be whoa, you know. We're gonna be. It's gonna take a while to calm us down. You y'all understand? Like probably for eternity, we'll be you know. Because the Bible says that God is going to show us wonderful things for ages and ages. We'll never exhaust Him. There will never be an end to Him. Can you imagine that? Never an end. He'll just... We, we, won't, we can't contain Him. He, so I, that's why I think that God's just going to be that good to us. And each and every one of us are unique and significant in that God has something... For each and every one of us to say, to do, to act on, to touch some life. You know, um, I know a lot of Christian people that don't go to church. And I know I've told them, some of those people before, you don't ever know that when you step inside the church of someone that God wants you to minister to. If nothing else... That would be the, a reason to not miss church. To not miss gathering with other believers. Because somebody here has something that you have. Something that you can say. That God wants you to say, you to do. And I can't do that for you. No one else can do that for you. I truly believe that. Each and every one of us have a, a certain part. Let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And I might, try to, I might try to scale this down just a little bit just because it's, um, it's quite a few verses. I was going to read verse 14 through 26, but let me, let me pu- pull the one out that I wanted you guys to, um, to get a hold of. It says, verse 18, let's look at that. I'm sorry, Candace, if I'm messing you up back there. But that isn't the way God has made us. He, ha- he has made us many parts for our bodies and has put each part just where he wants it. What a strange thing a body would be if it had only one part. So he has made many part- parts, but still there's only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The hand can't say to the feet, I don't need you. Some of the parts that seem weakest and least important are really the most necessary. That's where I'll stop for now. But do you guys see? That's God talking about you and I. That we can't say we're not important. We're important. I'd be willing to bet not any of you in here would sacrifice one part of your body. Would any of you guys just let me take a chunk out of your arm or pluck a hair out of your arm or your leg? I, you wouldn't want to do that, Right? But it's, it's, but it's just a hair. It's just insignificant. But still, it hurts. Right? Some of, you, some of you ladies may not know, but the hair in your face. Oh, I pulled one out of my chin one time. I like to start crying. It hurts so bad. But what I'm trying to say is each and every part is important. And each and every one of us has to do our part to keep unity. Every, every one of us. Because just one of us could break it all down. One of us could tear it down very, very easily. I just want to end with this. 
I just want to end with telling you guys this. Just to you guys to think about a few people in the Bible that the Bible says very little about them, but the impact that they have. All right? In First Chronicles, there's a man by the name of Jabez that prayed a prayer. It's a few verses. It's just a few verses that he's mentioned. But Jabez prayed an awesome prayer, and it said that God answered him. The woman with the alabaster box of ointment, it doesn't even give her name. But the Bible says anywhere the gospel is preached, that'll be a memorial for her. You, can you see the importance of just a little bitty, a little bitty thing? Pretty awesome, huh? So you never know that just what your little bit of part to play can change things. Let me, let me tell you one more person, and I'll close. Anybody ever heard of a man named Edward Kimball? Anybody? Edward Kimball was a, a Sunday school teacher years and years ago. It had to have been probably early 1900s, 1920s. Maybe I didn't look at what year. But he felt really passionate about praying for the boys in his Sunday school class. And he got one of them born again. And his name was D.L. Moody. Another, uh, D.L. Moody went to become a, a, a minister. And he ministered. And a man, a young man got saved under his ministry. His name was Mordecai Ham. And Mordecai Ham became a minister and preached the gospel. And a man by the name of Billy Graham got saved under his ministry. Okay, so you see Edward Kimball, just a, sun, just a Sunday school teacher. It led to Billy Graham getting born again. And Billy Graham is still making an impact on this world. He's in his 80s, I think. 90s? Not to mention D.L. Moody making an impact, but all because of Edward Kimball. So don't ever take for granted what it is that you have a part to play and what you can do. All right? Father, we thank you for this evening. Thank